Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 22, verses 55 through 61. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. How does one preach in the middle of a pandemic? That's the question that's been swimming around in my head this week. It's a question unique to me and my colleagues, of course, but it's not all that different from the questions that you have been asking yourself in the last week. How does one teach students online? How does one care for elderly parents when they're home or when they're closed up in care facilities or when they're far away from you? How does one work from home? How does one work and keep kids occupied in the same house all day long? How does one keep their family safe if you can't work from home? How does one keep from eating everything in the pantry when you're home all day? So many questions. So many questions we're asking ourselves that we never, ever expected to ask. We're shifting to a new normal every few days as the news gets worse and restrictions tighten and we're asked to abide. We don't know yet what's going to happen. As much as we read the news, as much as we study the models, we don't know yet what's going to happen. We're in a situation where everything's changed and the future is a huge unknown. And that's a recipe for one thing, one terrible thing that makes everything harder. It's a recipe for fear. Fear. Have you felt it in the last few days or weeks? I know I have. I mean, I've never pastored through a pandemic before, okay? I've never tried to pastor a church that couldn't gather together. Did you know that in the New Testament, the Greek word that is translated for us church, the word is ekklesia, and that word means gathering. So the word church literally means gathering people together. And two weeks ago, like I said, we thought, well, maybe we just shouldn't shake hands. And now we're going to live through six weeks or maybe more without gathering together face to face. Having everything about what we do as a church disrupted, that's brought a load of questions and worries. worries and, and I don't think I'm unique struggling with questions and adjustments and decisions and all the threats that they bring with them and especially the fear they bring with them. I trust that you have had a moment of worry or anxiety or fear, or maybe you've had 70 or 700. 
Even if it hasn't haunted your mind this week, it's passed through your heart and your soul at least once. So I want to remind you first and foremost that the scriptures today, I want to remind you the scriptures are full of people grappling with fear. And the message that they get throughout the Bible is don't let fear take hold. Trust in God. Trust in God who never leaves us or abandons us. There are dozens and dozens of passages that I could read to remind you of this truth. But for the moment, I, I want to just read three. So first of all, this morning, take comfort in the words from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then there's Isaiah 43. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. And then there's the beloved Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just let those verses help you take a big, deep breath this morning. It's okay to be scared, you know. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel all the things that we're feeling today about what's changed and what lies ahead. But I want to remind us today that God, our God, is a God who invites us to move from those places of scared and sad and anxious and move to a place of life and hope. This is what God does. God always invites us to a place of life and hope. It's what God is about, bringing life and hope even to our darkest places God invites us to move from a place of fear to a place of life and hope, no matter how deep into that place of fear we've gone. All we have to do is look at the life of Simon Peter to see this is true. Now here at St. Paul's, we're on week four of our sermon series, Second Chances. Maybe you haven't been uh, worshiping with us or tuned in for all these, but this is our series for the, the season of Lent. And uh, of course, this is nothing like the Lenten season we had imagined when I planned this sermon series. But the good news is, God's good news remains the same, whether we're worshiping in the sanctuary or worshiping from home. God doesn't change, though the whole earth should change. God doesn't change, and God's promises don't change. So one of the things about God that never changes is God's willingness to give second chances. And we've already seen this amazing quality of God's love through the story of Moses and the story of David and the story of Zacchaeus. And today we're going to see God's gracious second chance through the worst moment of one of Jesus' best disciples, Peter. Now, in all four of the gospel stories, Peter comes off basically as the chief disciple. He's Jesus' second in charge. He's there from the beginning, just like Rebecca said in the children's time. He's the first one that Jesus calls when uh, Jesus is calling people to leave their fishing nets and follow him. Jesus seems to stay at Peter's house some in Capernaum. He uh, interacts with Peter's family. Jesus always has Peter with him, including when Jesus goes up to the mountain for the transfiguration and is blessed by God. Peter's right there and he sees it all. 
Peter sees Jesus heal the sick. He, he sees him feed the multitudes. Peter sees Jesus confront the Pharisees and welcome the children and teach the crowds. Peter is right there in the middle of it all, learning from Jesus, helping him fully immersed in the work of bringing God's love to earth. Peter is right there until, until the night that things get harder than anyone ever imagined. Until the moment when everything goes sideways. Then Peter does the one thing that he never expected he would do. He abandons Jesus. Now Jesus, he seemed to know that Peter was going to do it. He predicted it at the Last Supper, and Peter couldn't believe it. Peter, the best first disciple, he was aghast. He said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison and to die with you. But that was in the upper room. That was after Jesus had given the bread and the cup and they were all still together in a place that felt safe enough. It took just a few hours for everything to unravel for Peter. Soon they went to the garden to pray and then Jesus was arrested. And by the time they dragged Jesus to the courtyard of the high priest, Peter was beside himself. He followed there at a distance, but there in the courtyard we heard in the scripture when he was confronted by others who said, you have to be with Jesus, Peter, he denied it, not once. Not twice, three times. He swore he knew nothing about his Lord and teacher. Peter, who had followed Jesus all over Israel at that moment, he turned his back and he walked away. And we don't know. We don't know what happened to Peter next. The story of the Gospels turned to focus on Jesus, and Peter is nowhere to be seen. He's not at Pilate's court. He's not there to hear the shouts of the crowd or the crack of the whip on Jesus' back. Peter's not there to see Jesus carry his cross. He's not there at the crucifixion. And if that was the end of Jesus' story, it would be the end of Peter's story too. But it's not. Because our God is a God of second chances. And so the next time that we see Peter in the Gospel of Luke, he's running to the empty tomb. The women who go and first discover the resurrection, they, they go to tell the male disciples, and the scripture, says, the scripture says the men did not believe them. They thought that the women were being hysterical, <laughs> except Peter. Except Peter. Peter listened. Peter got up. Peter ran to the tomb, and he saw it was empty. And the scripture says that he was amazed at what had happened. Somewhere in those three days between the moment he betrayed Jesus in the dead of night and the morning of the resurrection, somewhere in those three days, Peter got himself ready for his own second chance. We don't know how he did it, how much crying he did, how much confession, how long he spent in sorrow and pain. But by the morning of the resurrection, Peter was open and he was ready for his own second chance that was offered by God's miracle. And if we read on to the sequel to the book of Luke, which is the book of Acts, we learn that Peter, he made the most of his second chance. He led the disciples just like he had when Jesus was with them. He led them to start this movement spreading Jesus' message. Peter preached, he taught, he healed, he loved, he organized, and he started this amazing thing we call the Church of Jesus Christ that has and continues to shape the world. Peter went from this most unimaginable moment, abandoning Jesus in his hardest hour, and in God's second chance, Peter helped change the world. In Peter, we see so clearly the power of God's second chance. 
And his story, like all these stories, remind us that God's never done with us. God never gives up. God never walks away. God is always ready to save and to redeem, even from our worst moments. And I think that's so important for us to hold on to. But there's another second question for us to ask of this story today that I think fits especially for today. And that is, why did Peter betray Jesus? Why did he do it? It's pretty simple, I think. He was afraid. He was really, really afraid. The fear that gripped his heart in those moments of Jesus' arrest, it made Peter do something that was so outside his character, he could never have imagined he would do it until it happened. Peter betrayed Jesus, and he betrayed himself because of fear. Fear is an incredibly powerful force in the world. At times, it can keep us safe. It can keep us from doing something dumb or, or move us away from someone dangerous. But more often than not, fear gets in our way. And at its worst, it causes us to do terrible things, things we never thought we'd do, things that make us not even recognize ourselves. Fear has the power to grab a hold of us and destroy our sense of well-being and rob us of hope and turn us against our friends. And unchecked fear can cause us to do and say and be the very worst of ourselves, which is exactly why the Bible tries again and again and again to turn us away from fear and toward God. Do not be afraid. Again and again, the Bible counsels this very thing. Do not be afraid. God is with you. God stands beside you. God has not left you. The creator of the universe is on your side. Don't let fear overwhelm you. Don't let it take hold of your heart. The scriptures are so well acquainted with how quickly our fears can spring up inside of us and how big they can be. And so again and again, the scriptures remind us that God brings grace to push away our fears. Every single day of our life, God wants to offer us life and hope. Every single day, God wants to fill our days with love and peace and hopefulness. And God wants to give us those things as an antidote to fear every day. And I think even more God wants to do that today. And in these days, when we wake up to more and more news of global pandemic and our world turned upside down. Now, I have in the last week, and I bet you have too, seen signs of people's fear around us everywhere. I mean, those empty store shelves that are supposed to hold toilet paper, that's like exhibit number one for me. Nothing says, I'm afraid, like a cart full of toilet paper going out of Target. <laughs> On Facebook last night, I saw a woman report that she had taken a walk around Walnut Creek, and she was upset that nobody else there seemed to be observing the six-foot social distancing guideline. So she told us that she reminded all of them about it, every single person she met. I think it's a sure sign of fear if you're going around correcting everybody else's behavior in public. But then Facebook did her one better, as Facebook is wont to do. She received a torrent of comments of people yelling at her online, shaming her, judging her for correcting other people's behavior. They were correcting her behavior for correcting other people's behavior. It was just nuts and meanness, and it was just driven by fear. And those are small examples. 
but they are signs of the fear that's swirling around us and inside of us. And some of us are struggling with sleepless nights or maybe panic attacks or tears that won't stop. Consequences of fear that's just looming over us like a shadow. But friends, we are loved by a God of second chances, which reminds us that God can redeem fear so deep that it was like the fear that Peter felt on that night Jesus was betrayed. God can redeem that kind of fear, and God can redeem our fears too. If God can bring Peter back to a place of life and hope, then God can do it for us. And God can do it today, and God can do it tomorrow. And God can do it again on Tuesday when we wake up to even worse news. God can do it again and again and again. These are not easy days that we're living in. And there are likely even more challenging ones ahead. Fear is going to try to creep in again and again. But God will be there too to offer instead to us hope. My challenge for you this week is twofold. First of all, I want to challenge you to find a safe place this week to confess your fears. It might be a journal, a prayer that you write out to God. Better yet, though, find somebody that you trust to listen to you as you name out loud the fears that you have running around through your mind or through your heart. It is not weakness for us to admit our fears. It's wisdom. Because as soon as we say them out loud, they begin to have less power over us. So share your fears with somebody. I'm serious, do it. And if your fear is such that it's threatening to overwhelm you, get connected to professional help from a doctor or a mental health professional. Talk to Pastor Denny or to me. We need you healthy and we need you here to help combat this pandemic together. After you share your fears, then pray a prayer to God, asking God for release from fear, asking for an injection of hope. And it's okay if you need to pray pray that same prayer the next day and the next day and the next day. God is not going to get tired of giving us hope. Secondly, then, I want to challenge you to choose something to do this week that's unusual for you and that helps you feel hopeful. Maybe you want to make something beautiful. Maybe you want to bake bake something delicious and leave it on the porches of your neighbors after sanitizing the packages very carefully, of course. Reach out to a friend with whom you haven't connected in a while or find a way to help people who are busy helping others. It might be as simple as paying for someone's meal in the drive-thru or giving the pizza guy a really huge tip. Do something extra this week that brings you joy and light maybe also brings joy and light to someone else's life. Do it and remember our God who is always calling us forward to live. Though the earth should change and shake around us, God is offering help and hope. God is always offering help and hope. Thanks be to God. Amen.